Oh, shit. It's the coin toss. One surprise question off the rip. Two sides of a coin. Four sides of a coin today, baby. Let's get it. John, do you have the coin? Yes, I sure do. Sweet. Trey, heads or tails? Heads. Guess what? It's big old heads. All right. Give me the ball, Mitch. You're going to score? I'm going to score. Give me the ball. All right. I got some Vegas odds for y'all today. I want you guys to tell me which bet you're taking out of these four. The bet is AFC North division winner. So it's not exactly who you think is going to win. It's where you're putting your money. We got Baltimore. They're a plus 125. The Browns are plus 166. Pittsburgh is plus 450. And Cincy is rounding out the back at plus 2,500. Whoa. Well, so I think the Ravens are going to win it. So I'll just take the favorite and I'll take the low upside there. Um, I, I don't think Cincinnati's got a complete enough team yet. Uh, I think there's way too many question marks on that defense for them to win that division. And uh, the Ravens, I think, are going to run back a pretty good defense. And uh, I think that offense is going to take a step forward, which uh, we'll get into in the pod. But uh, yeah, I, I see them being a little bit more dynamic than they were last year. So give me Baltimore. I like it. Angry. T, what you got? All right, I'm I'm gonna take I'm gonna take the Pittsburgh Steelers at Ooh, plus four fifty. Oh, okay. Just because, just I mean, like Mitch said, this isn't who we necessarily think is gonna win the division. It's just where we would put our money, and plus four fifty is is nice upside. You know, I think there's a chance that Big Ben comes back a year after that elbow surgery and plays better. They just ram the ball with Najee Harris, dump it off. You know score that way they still got a good defense yeah give me uh give me that plus 450 upside john i know what upside you want yeah man uh, you're a gambler i know you are and give me the plus 2500 are you kidding me i watched the bengals beat uh the steelers last year and all throwing they, your money away all they <laughs> all they have to do is score 50 points every game bottom bottom 10 defense joe burrow chucking the ball every play jamar chase t higgins tyler boyd chuck it chuck it chuck it get to 50 Easy, easy money. I mean, throw a hundred down, baby. That's that's forty five hundred bucks. Bam. That's yeah. a hundred. That's a that's a negative one hundred <laughs> in the on the balance sheet. You know, I, I'm glad you guys left Cleveland for me, though. I think that's yeah. actually the bet that I would make because, yeah. like, right after Baltimore, the the plus one sixty six has given me a little more money, and I think it is just a two team race in this division with Baltimore and Cleveland, and that could go either way. So I'll take the money upside on uh, on the brownies, but uh, I yeah I obviously edge Baltimore, but uh, as you mentioned, I'm a gambler, so uh, let's roll the dice on them brownies. Probably where the smart money is 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 betting on the Browns, but um... I can remember two years ago when you two were arguing whether or not the Browns were going to win five games, and now here we are, <laughs> here we are. Mitch is picking them to win the division. Look hey, at that. We like oh, to what a good coaching staff can do, right? Mm-hmm. Stefanski really did well there last year. They can win some games, but they can uh, just nerf the fantasy upside of that uh, that offense. <laughs> what 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 the fuck is going on, everyone? Welcome into the Long Game Dynasty podcast, a weekly roundtable discussion about Dynasty fantasy football. I'm your host, Tarek Angry T. Benshuya. 
with me per huge John Alexander, Yo. Trey Cryan, and Mitch Yates. What's up? John, in the doldrums of startup season, we just finished our show league draft and you 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 and Mitch started another startup. I, I couldn't even fathom doing another startup after the marathon of the show league draft. Well, here's the thing about drafting from the 12th position. When you draft from the 12th, it's very unsatisfying and you're going to lose. So naturally, I signed up for another one with Mitch. And guess what? I drew the 12th position again. So guess what's going to happen next week? One more startup. You can bet your ass on that. <laughs> yeah, Mitch, how's how how's those startups going for you? Oh, it's going great. I am very sorry to anybody that knows me right now because that is all I've been doing like my <laughs> iPhone told me my screen usage uh, over the past couple of days. Dude, I turned off screen Holy usage. Holy shit. It's uh it's <laughs> not good news. Uh yeah, I'd rather not know as well. But you know what, man? This past week has been amazing. I got to see John Alexander and Trey Crine in the flesh. Very thankful for that. Uh I've had a blast. So I'm excited for this episode. We're wrapping up the series, man. First, first and last names over here. It was great hanging out with you too, Mitchell J. Oh, <laughs> thank you, sir. Obviously feeling a lot of FOMO seeing pictures of uh, y'all hanging out with one another. But, you know, soon enough. Trey, so I mentioned our show league. Yo, that startup draft had a total of 22 trades. So, hey, we're playing with some sharps in that league or... Maybe none of us just know what we're doing. Well, well, clearly I screwed up because I was the very first trade in that draft. I traded out of Justin Herbert, so I missed out on a top six quarterback. And then that was the last trade I made in the whole draft because, uh, you know, I was a little bit preoccupied after that Amari Cooper pick. But uh, no excuses. I'm excited with the uh, the RBs and the tight end that I got. And uh, I'll fill in the rest of the pieces uh, yeah, before the playoffs. When you were on the boat, you were telling me that the uh, that the beers were influencing your picks. Yeah, I mean, the team name right now is Drunk in the Woods, which, you know, I, I may or may not have uh, consumed a beer in Charleston over the weekend. But, uh, you know, I, I like Robert Woods, man. It's just maybe not my first choice at that pick. Maybe maybe you don't remember <laughs> taking him when you were drunk in those woods. Is that I who could say <laughs> who could say? As Trey takes a sip of his New England hazy IPA. Guys, I'm going to get a reputation. Be careful out there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, let's get rolling. Uh, like Mitch mentioned, this is the last episode of our divisional series. We're talking about the AFC North today. So let's kick off this first half. We're going to be talking Browns and Steelers in the first half. Cleveland Browns at quarterback. Baker Mayfield is our consensus quarterback, 19, 26 years old, going into his fourth year, 25th in fantasy points per game last year, but really suffered from a three or so game stretch with really inclement weather where he essentially put up like zero points. Good arm talent, um, you know, throws the ball really fast, willing rusher, 54 carries last year, but not necessarily, you know, efficient at rushing the ball. John likes Baker as a high-end QB2, and Mitch and Trey have him at QB20. So, John, let's start with you on Baker. So, I really like the way that Baker ended the season. So, before the bye, it wasn't pretty, right? He's had these multi uh, ga games with multiple interceptions. But then after the bye, we had the two games with the weather that you mentioned. But then after that, they really figured out how to get the best out of Baker. Uh, he's throwing... 250 to 350 yards a game getting 
two touchdowns, uh, got four touchdowns one game. Uh, he was just really consistent, and I think we saw the best out of Baker, and I think this coaching staff has really figured out to, how to use him. So what I'm looking for in, in a QB2 is consistency, and I think that's exactly what Baker is. Y'all have uh, these upside guys a little bit higher in the rankings than I do, these rookies, but what I'm looking for in a QB2 is knowing exactly what I'm going to get every week, and that's exactly what I think Baker is and what this coaching staff is going to use him to do. He's not going to give you the huge fantasy points, but you know what you're going to get, and I like that in a QB too. Yeah, John will give you that. He is consistent. I mean, he finished, what, 16th, 18th, and then 18th again. Uh, that's pretty consistent quarterback two numbers right there. And Tarek, I love how you said he's a willing rusher. I mean, that's exactly what he is because he sure as hell isn't good at it, but... <laughs> but God damn it, he'll try. Man tries hard. He tries hard. Um, I, he increased his attempts. Uh, you said 54. It was 28 the year before. But he did get a whopping 24 more yards last year. So hey. good on him. Um, that, but, you know, he's not He's not one of those rushing, like, I think he had one rushing touchdown. He's not a guy that's going to punch it in that way. Uh, but I, I think 20 is exactly where he should be, yeah. right? Like, I have upside guys ahead of him because they have upside as where he is going to get you those low-end quarterback two numbers, which I guess isn't bad, but uh, I guess if you have, like, a stud, like a like a Mahomes or something, then I can see Baker being a quarterback two. But if you got two quarterback twos and Baker's your quarterback two, I'm not loving that. Yeah, Mitch, I think I agree with that. Uh, I mean... I just with this offense, it is what was, uh, you know, kind of brought down from Minnesota. So it is a run first offense. And I'm, I'm worried that his ceiling is now closer to a guy like Kirk Cousins than, you know, some of the guys that were known for throwing it like 600 times a year, like Big Ben or Phillip Rivers. And obviously he doesn't really have that rushing upside, <laughs> you know, like, like you said. So, um, I mean, maybe it's possible with OBJ back and healthy, that'll give him a little bit of a boost in efficiency and a few more touchdowns. But uh, I'm not really willing to uh, move him up the ranks until we see it happen. Yeah, and I'm probably closer to Mitch and Trey on this than I am to John. But I will say that I think Baker has um, a lot of job security. And I think that he's a really above average to good NFL quarterback. So I think he's going to be around for a long time. So you're going to have that kind of stability um, at your QB2 spot if that's the direction that you go. Mm -hmm. All right, at, at running back. Nick Chubb is consensus RB7 for us. Just a pure, absolutely pure runner. Number one in juke rate per player profiler last year. 14 breakaway runs, so both elusive and fast. The problem, of course, only 16 receptions last year. He missed four games, so if you kind of bump that up to a 20 reception pace. Trey, I imagine that's the primary reason you have him the lowest of all of us at RB10, right? Yeah, and I... I always laugh at the phrase uh best pure runner because it's like what does that mean you know and it always makes me think of uh uh that always sunny meme with uh uh danny devito on the floor like i just want to be pure <laughs> <laughs> hey man what can i say i love platitudes okay just... yeah 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 no i mean he's not going to be used as a pass catcher unless uh cream hunt misses time so he, absolutely he doesn't have that part of his game so Maybe 30 catches, maybe 40 catches is his upside over the course of the season. And um, I mean, part of that is also due to scheme, right? Like Stefanski really doesn't uh, pass much as an offensive coordinator. They were bottom five in the league last year in uh, pass attempts. And on top of that, they were bottom 10 
and uh, target percentage to the running back position at 17%. So there's really not a lot of targets to go around, and those really aren't for Chubb. They're for Hunt. So, I mean, obviously he's an excellent runner, but in a PPR format, uh, 30 catches is not going to get him into the top 12 over the course of a season. So uh, give me a guy like Antonio Gibson at this point in a uh, PPR dynasty league over uh, over Chubb. I mean, John, we have seen, though, that Nick Chubb has the upside to be the you know number one rusher in the NFL in terms of yards because he was almost that just two years ago right behind Derrick Henry. So is that why you have him at RB6? I have him at RB6 because he's playing behind what I think is the best offensive line in the NFL. I think he's the he's the primary guy there. I'm not worried about Kareem Hunt being a handcuff. I think that when healthy, Chubb is going to get the majority of the work on in the rushing game. And uh, he's, uh, you said the best pure runner in the NFL. I think he's probably the fast, if maybe top three speed in the NFL. And he's a threat to score a touchdown on every time he touches the ball. So that's what I want from a running back is a guy who's going to score some touchdowns. And I think he can do that from anywhere on the field. All right, so Kareem Hunt is RB24, the other guy here who's kind of capping Nick Chubb's upside and Nick Chubb's kind of capping his upside. He's seen as more of the receiving back, but I was surprised to see as I was preparing that he only had 38 receptions last year, which is not some gaudy number for a receiving back. Also was pretty inefficient per player profiler on things like true yards per carry, fantasy points per opportunity, etc. Mitch, you've got him at RB20, which is the highest among us in about four spots above current DLF ADP. So, you know, not super above market, but what do you like here? I like Kareem the Dream, baby. I mean, what's not to like? He's great in PPR. He's still 25 years old, and uh, he has a top, what, three top uh, 11 PPR seasons under his belt already? And last year, with only 38 receptions, he still finished running back number 10. I don't look at him as a handcuff to Chubb. I look at him as a, like, high upside running back, too. And, like, sure, Chubb is a great running back, but as John mentioned, this offensive line is very good, and there is enough in this system for both of these guys to eat. Like, I'm happy starting Kareem Hunt every single week. He's a starting running back, especially, what, uh, at his age? Yeah, I'm still buying into this, and that's why maybe I'm a little ahead of the market here. I'm, I'm pretty far apart uh, on you on this one. Uh, I mean, on 38 uh, catches last year, he put up 11 touchdowns, and I just don't see any way he does that again this year. So um, I think he's, his touchdown uh, number is probably closer to like six or seven, and which to me means he's way overrated as the DLF running back 24 right now. So I've got him more as a low-end RB3 and kind of the like first handcuff off the board. Well, I, I think there is an open question here about the future because uh, Chubb is due for an extension. And if for some reason they don't extend Chubb, I, I don't think that's what's going to happen. But if they don't, then I think that helps uh, Mitch's case here being ranked a little bit higher. Uh, but I think the more likely scenario is Chubb, Chubb does get extended and they keep doing what's been working. They work both these running backs with Chubb being the main guy and uh, Kareem Hunt being a high uh, a high end RB2. I think they were both running back ones ne- last year, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, they were. Uh, when they were both uh, when they were both playing before the injury uh, to Chubb. So, uh, you know. I don't necessarily disagree with uh, Mitch's take, but I think I'm a little bit lower on Kareem just because I'm a little bit higher on Chubb. 
I agree with Mitch. I think that Kareem Hunt is very good, and I think that there is enough both rushing work and receiving work out of the backfield to go around in the Cleveland offense that, you know, we could see, you know, another season where both of them are in the top 20. But I understand why Trey might be fading or why I'm fading a little bit more than Mitch because I just think they cap each other's upside. So that's why I'm kind of like closer to the low end on both of these guys. I just I want to add real quick, though, like, I mean, we know this, that um, Hunt has been better with Chubb on the field. They've been better with each other. Like they they scheme both of them touches. Right. So like. Kareem Hunt is soaking up three to four targets a game. Whether you think that's not... structural or because, like, to me, I'm wondering: is that structural or is that is that coincidental? Right? Is that just small sample size coincidence, mm-hmm. or is it what is it truly like? Is there a reason that they produce better when they're both playing in the game? I think it's because they're both legitimate running back ones on the same team, and it's for a coach putting like subbing one out for the other one while keeping them fresh is keeping them both efficient as hell. Yeah. I mean, for me, I think the only reason we're rating him this high is because he did have 11 touchdowns last year. And I just don't see that happening if Chubb is healthy all season. So I, I, I think he's due for, I, I don't want to say regression. I just don't say there's any way he gets the opportunity uh, to do that again this year with a healthy Chubb all season. All right, we'll see. Let's move on to the wide receivers. Odell Beckham Jr. is coming off the ACL tear had enough in him last year to just, you know, shit all over the Cowboys and then went and busted his knee. So I appreciate that. Odell turns 29 in November, so he should be in his prime, but injuries have just kind of ruined his Hall of Fame trajectory. He's wide receiver 43 in our consensus right now. Trey and Mitch have him right around there, and then John and I are kind of on either side of the debate. I have him at wide receiver 34 and John down at 53. So John, I'll throw it to you on the fade and then I'll respond. Yeah, man. I think, I think you're just living in the past. Like what? 2014, 2015, 2016. He was top 10 guy, right? 2017. He's uh, down the wide wide receiver 80, uh, 2018, uh, 2019. He was uh, 15, 25 ish range. And then of course, last year with the injuries back down to, wide receiver 80. So like I'm looking at a guy who's going to 29. I'm asking myself, what's more likely? Is it more likely that he's going to be a wide receiver two, wide receiver three, or is it more likely that he's just done and that he, we've seen the peak and he's over, he's over the hill now. Um, and just my, uh, maybe it's biased or maybe it's not, but I just think that it's more likely that we've seen the best days of Odell and that is he's not likely to replicate what he's done, certainly, and more likely to just do nothing. So uh, could he do could he be a wide receiver three like you're projecting? Sure. But I just don't think that's very likely. I think that we've seen his best days and the time of Odell has passed. Let's look back longingly and remember 2015. <laughs> well, John, first of all, you're damn right. I'm living in the past. <laughs> All right. So look, I actually agree with a lot of what you're saying, but I don't think any of that encompasses a need to fade him into the wide receiver five range. Right. I think he's been faded down to the wide receiver thirties in like the market and, and DLF. Right. And I have him at 34 because I just want to be a little bit ahead of that because I think if he stays healthy and I'm not trying to project injuries, 
But if he stays healthy, he probably has a hundred target and a thousand yard floor, right? Because I think the narrative about him and Baker not being on the same page, I think that's exactly what it is. It's all narrative. I think even in his first year in Cleveland, which is a super disappointing year, he was still a top 20 receiver. He still had a hundred targets. He still had a thousand yards. So I think if I'm not projecting injury, that's kind of where I'm going to have him is that kind of high end wide receiver three range. And I think that's not insane. Mitch, what do you got? I just think that there's, there's two things I'm focusing on here, right? It's if, first of all, he's quarterback proof because he played with Eli Manning. And so even if Baker Mayfield's putting up quarterback 20 numbers, I think he can support Odell, but really it's, if it's the, can he stay healthy thing? And the problem is we discussed this a little earlier. If he gets, if he gets injured this year, He's nuked. He's nuked in the rankings. Yeah. And so like that risk is associated because sure, he could potentially put up wide receiver two or three numbers. But if he doesn't, I agree like this is this is kind of it for him. Like this is a make or break year, in my opinion. Yeah, and I, I think that's fair, and I, and I do appreciate the insight that if he does get hurt again, he's acts, he's 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 gonna be done in terms of dynasty value. But I will say, as a kind of disclaimer, I have been an OBJ stan, you know, since 2014. I am I just completely bought into the hype very early, and as John said, I'm living in the past. All right. So Jarvis Landry, dink and dunk juice, bless him. A guy that always finishes higher than he's drafted yet always feels disappointing. Had a pretty okay 2019 with Baker and a worse 2020. He is also turning 29 this year. Wide receiver 50 in our consensus. Trey as the low man on Jarvis, but not by much. You get the distinct honor of talking about him. Yeah, so I think I've come around on uh, on Odell Beckham Jr. I think I'm a little bit closer to you and the rest of the market on him, where I, I do think he's probably going to command the, the target share there, and Landry's going to end up being that secondary option, which in this offense, because it is such low passing volume, his ceiling is low end wide receiver two at best. And and that's in PPR only. So, you know, maybe he should be closer to a guy like Thielen in my ranks, like that wide receiver four territory, but low end wide receiver two is a bench player. You know, that's not like, uh, that's not enough upside for a contender. So uh, at his age, you need to be contending to roster him. Uh, so yeah, I mean, he's purely bench depth at this point. The other receivers on the depth chart, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Anthony Schwartz, and Hollywood Higgins. I probably have them in that order with Hollywood Higgins as a firm waiver wire player, even kind of in really deep rosters. Baker likes him, but he's just got no upside. Um, so th- thoughts on these three? Hard to imagine the wide receiver three for a run first team, like the Browns being fantasy relevant. So if I'm going to take a shot... It's going to be on Donovan Peoples-Jones just because I kind of like what I saw in his rookie year, but I don't expect a lot of fantasy relevance from any of those guys. Yeah, and DPJ is getting a lot of love, and I could actually jive with that because we kind of got a glimpse last year. Like uh, week 13 to 15, he was getting about 60% snap count, um, and he was putting up, what, he put up 17.2, 12.4, and 8.5 PPR points in those weeks. And uh, there was a random week, week seven, where he had a 68% snap count and he put up 14.6 PPR points. So, like, he's 22 years old, 6'2", 208. He's got that profile that I like. And I'm actually looking for him in, like, um, just like a throw-in piece in in trades right now because 
Uh, Odell Beckham Jr., like we said, well, he might get hurt. Jarvis Landry, getting old. Um, I mean, they're going to have to look towards the future eventually. And if there's anybody on this team, this is the guy I'm looking for. Yeah, and third-round rookie Anthony Schwartz, definitely worth a taxi spot. All right, so tight ends. Austin Hooper is our tight end 17, and Harrison Bryant is our tight end 25. I want to talk about them together in the interest of time and because I think they're kind of close in consensus. I see this as a very poor man's version of Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard from a few years back. Trey, you're the highest on Hooper at tight end 14. I have them back-to-back in the 18-19 area, and Mitch is pretty below market on both. So let's start with Mitch. Just not in love with the passing volume here again? Yeah, I just, I I don't really like the ceiling for either guy. Like, I I know the ceiling for Hooper is tight end six, which he did two years in a row in Atlanta. Like, I know that. But he, he biffed his landing in Cleveland with a tight end 21 performance. So, like... Trey mentioned him before as a buy candidate, and I've preached before about being patient with tight ends. And here we have a 26-year-old who's already broken out that I'm being impatient with. So, like, at some point, you have to let the situation enter the conversation here, and that's where I'm fading. Yeah, and I so I do think the um, what happened last year with OBJ and, and Chubb missing significant time made that offense look a little bit different than the way it's going to look this year. And uh, you know, maybe this year they do feed Hooper the ball more because uh, the past two seasons he has commanded a 19% target share, which which uh, Harrison Bryant was only 10% his rookie year, and Ajoku's been about two per, or 10% over the last two seasons. So, I mean, like you said, Hooper's only 26, and that 19% target share is good enough to get into that uh, tight end one discussion. So, I think he's way undervalued right now. I think that talent's going to prevail when everybody's healthy this year, and. Uh, yeah, I, I see him as a, a big value right now and a good guy to um, kind of have as your tight end, too, on your uh, contending roster. Okay, yeah, I didn't even write down David Njoku on our show doc. So he's still there, man. He requested a trade last year, but he's still there. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, he's got a lot of athleticism. So the, the another guy that maybe you can just stash and he, he could end up somewhere else next year. So uh, next, let's move on to the Pittsburgh Steelers at quarterback. Big Bad Ben at QB 35. He was QB 14 last year, which surprised me, but he felt a lot worse than that because he disappointed when you needed him the most. QB 19 in weeks 12 through 16, and he looked like his arm died. Only 6.2 yards per attempt last year. Trey is the most out on him, even though he drafted him in our show league startup earlier this week. LOL. Trey, talk about why you have him down in the 40s. Look, man, am I happy that I drafted Big Ben in the 11th round? No, absolutely not. I'm not I'm not happy about it. But uh he did he did have 608 pass attempts last year, which is crazy. And uh Fantasy Pros is projecting he'll be top 3 again this year. So, you know, if I think I'm like streaming quarterbacks at the Superflex spot and I can get some low-end QB1 production out of this guy, you know, depending on the matchup, uh I mean, he did have seven games last last year with more than 19 points he just had a lot of duds mixed in there too so yeah I mean I it's possible that Big Ben bounces back obviously this is just a one-year uh deal uh max at this point uh anything beyond that is gravy so I'm with all the talent they have with Najee Harris coming in and those three receivers he's got to have those white uh QB one weeks some weeks right yeah, it's funny. I, I I asked you to talk about why you had him down in the 40s, and you tried to <laughs> tried to recuperate your startup pick. Uh, 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, I hate it. I hated thinking of it. Yeah, John, what what do you think about uh, about Big Ben or even Mason Rudolph and Dwayne Haskins? I I don't think much about them at all. I think that they're going to have to go and find a quarterback next year. Uh, might even happen midseason, make a trade or something. I don't know, but that I don't think the answer is currently on the roster. Even though they gave Mason Rudolph a contract extension, I don't know why. Uh, they must. Uh, uh, they must see something that I didn't see last year. I don't think so, man. That guy's a career backup, and maybe that's why they extended him, because they know they're going to be replacing the starter, and they might want somebody that knows the system backing him up. Hmm. I think, man, like, I, I like what Trey is putting down there, though. Uh, I think that Big Ben could have some value in the first, like, five weeks, and unfortunately, we're talking about the listener league, so he's not going to be able to do this. But if you're in another league and Big Ben and you got him on your dynasty team and he puts up a good couple first four or five weeks, trade his ass immediately, like for whatever, because I don't think that he's going to be able to sustain that. And as for Dwayne Haskins or Mason Rudolph, I think Dwayne Haskins is my target here. Um, very low price target. But I, I think that if the Steelers don't have a good year and if they're if they're losing or big ben's not actually doing well i mean this is the guy that they're going to spin the tires on they they want to see what they have in him all right at running back Najee harris rookie out of alabama is rb11 in our consensus drafted in the first round to a team and coaching staff that we know likes to feed the ball to a workhorse that can handle it he's a low-end rb1 for all of us john what are you looking for out of Najee's rookie year to justify keeping him as an RB1 moving forward? So, like, what is the baseline that he needs to continue to be an RB1 in Dynasty ranks? So I think we can use the same uh, same method that I use for all rookies. I want to see a late breakout, right? So I'll give you two cases from last year that most aligned to Najee. So CEH, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, and Jonathan Taylor. What... Uh, I think uh, both of them were consensus one, two in one QB leagues last year, right? So uh, what Clyde did was he started off pretty well. He had some good games there, 13 uh, half PPR points. He had a 16 game, a 12, and then he kind of just hit a wall. Uh, after the bye week, he he had nearly 20 points, and then he basically didn't do anything the rest of the season after week 11. So it's like the last six weeks. It kind of did the opposite of what you want to see from a rookie. He didn't really break out. Whereas uh, Jonathan Taylor did the exact opposite thing. He hit a wall, uh, looks like uh, week 10, five points, and everybody was saying, oh man, he can't hit the holes, he can't do anything, and then the guy just exploded. Uh, 20 points in week 13 after the bye, and then week 17, of course, sorry, Trey, he had 38 points. I say that because yeah, uh, 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 Trey uh, remembers uh, championship week that week against, uh, I had Jonathan Taylor against him. So, But that was redraft, it doesn't count. <laughs> I, I don't disagree with that. So uh, we... <laughs> We, we've got an extra game. So if you're looking for a baseline, I mean, Jonathan Taylor is consensus RB2, RB3 in Dynasty right now. If Najee can do what Jonathan Taylor did uh, in 16 weeks, if he could get somewhere around 1,200 yards and maybe 10 or 11 touchdowns, then yeah, he's still in the running back one conversation. I don't think that's, um, if he stays healthy, I don't think that's outrageous. And Trey's the projection guy, so he can tell me if I'm wrong here. But I would be looking 11, 1,200 yards. Uh, 10, 11 touchdowns, 12 touchdowns would be great. And then, yeah, he's definitely right up there still in the RB1 conversation. Trey, what do you think about that? Yeah, John, you're, I mean, you're, you're right in the same ballpark. His, uh, he's projected for 1,100 yards rushing and 300 yards receiving with uh, roughly 10 total touchdowns. So uh, 
yeah, he just needs to get in that ballpark and he will be an RB, uh, you know, top 12 for dynasty next year. No doubt. Yeah. All right. Uh, so after Najee Harris, we got these three backs, Kalen Balaj, Anthony McFarlane and Benny Snell. Is there one back here that stands out for any of you? I hate these cuffs, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't think I don't think any of them are starter worthy if Najee got hurt in this time. I think old Brickhands Ballage will uh, likely be the backup, though. I, I think uh, Snell and McFarland are just kind of roster clogs at this point. But do you want Ballage starting on your dynasty roster? Absolutely not. Man. <laughs> uh, if well, if Najee if Najee gets hurt, I mean, uh, the answer like, is no. <laughs> I, I just drafted I just drafted Kalen Balage in like the third to last round of a 30 round startup. So I think he's got a chance. You know, I think that if Najee goes down, he showed in L.A. last year that he can do something if he gets the work. Um, you know, I know Anthony McFarland is a big Graham Barfield yards created from college, but um I, I, I he didn't get any opportunity last year. And then Benny Snell is obviously just nothing. At wide receiver uh, for the Steelers, let's talk about the big three as a group. So John, Trey, and myself have it ranked Chase Claypool, Deontay Johnson, Juju Smith-Schuster, with Trey being the most aggressive rankings-wise on all three of them. Mitch, you have the inverse with Juju first, Deontay second, and Claypool third. So Mitch, let's start start with you and how it shakes out for you. You have Claypool at 34 and Juju at 26. Yeah, so both good, like them both. Uh Juju is still 24, uh but 2018 seems like a long time ago by now when he put up that uh wide receiver 8 season. So, uh what, 2019 was a huge letdown, 2020 wasn't great, but like he still put up wide receiver 2 numbers. So, for me he's like a buy now because again, he's auditioning for a new contract. Last year didn't go so well for him, um, but he's a dude that has a high floor because uh, like of the volume that he's going to command, and uh, I actually think his ADP is going to increase next year, um, hopefully when he's on a new roster, and I guess that's why I have him higher than the other Steelers receivers is because he can choose his next destination, um, where I see like Deontay target monster very close to Juju, um, I just, I, I think they'll finish around the same this year. And so I like Juju outside of the Steelers next year. And then Claypool, big, strong, fast, like him. Um, but he's just not as high as the other two. We'll call him pure wide receivers. I just want to be pure. I, I, so hang on, Mitch. I don't understand that. Like Claypool came in as a rookie and just absolutely balled out. And I, I have him right now in the same like tier as guys like T Higgins and, uh, Brandon Ayuk. So uh, I'm the only one out of the group that has him over Keenan Allen because I see him as that true like wide receiver one potential like going into his his second year in the league. So um, I, I'm also the highest on Juju because like you, I believe like he leaves Pittsburgh next year and uh, we're probably like fading him way too much because of how that offense looked last year. So um, yeah, I, I think Claypool is the clear like wide receiver one and for dynasty purposes, just because of the long-term value after that, uh, that rookie year he had yeah but it's inflated by those few weeks though i mean he put up like a four touchdown game and like okay yeah that's yeah but he has that upside definitely. yeah but those weeks happen man and definitely. that they'll win yeah. you they'll win you a playoff game if uh if it happens the right time 
Right. But again, I mean, Juju put up that wide receiver eight season already, though. And that's and like Juju's still younger than Deontay. And he's he has two more years in the NFL. Like I that's why I'm airing Juju here, because like he's got a ton of experience and like he's he's freaking good. Yeah, I I actually I do have Claypool ranked higher uh, in my rankings than Deontay. I actually think Deontay is the better wide receiver, but. Like what Trey said, I think uh, Claypool has the higher ceiling, and so that's why I've got him ranked higher. But I'm going to totally disagree with Mitch here, and I just want to get on the record and say I think Juju is washed. He's done. He's Oof. garbage. And Oof. Washed at 24. He washed at 20. We have seen the best of Juju, and it's over. He had the one season with Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown's gone now, and so is Juju. So you're living in the past too, Mitch. Goddamn right I'm living in the oh, past. Man, I mean, but but it's totally possible. Like he, I what did, what did he have? Like a wide receiver 14 year last year or something like that? Like it was actually like Juju a finished uh, wide receiver two. I think he was like uh, like 17 or something like that. Okay, th- yeah. So 14, 17 in that range. But yeah, I mean, I think we're fading him way too much, overreacting to like a down year. And uh if he leaves Pittsburgh for a team like Kansas City, are you kidding me? Like, we will be all about that next year. He had the chance to leave, and he chose not to. What makes you think? He chose not to because nobody was paying him. And why do you think that, that was, might That was be? salary cap issues. I mean, well, it'll oh, be a different yeah. story next year. It's got nothing to do with how bad he is. It's everything <laughs> to do with the salary cap. Sure, sure. I'm buying that argument. After those three, there's James Washington. Is uh, he worth a stash Ooh. on the end? He's... He's on the end of my rosters, but I don't know. Hey, in 2019, he had 735 yards. He was the most targeted guy with the the year that uh, Ben Roethlisberger's out. He's not that old. He's only, what is he, 25? So I think he's still got some left in him. He's worth a stash. I'm, I don't think you're ever going to start him. But yeah, I think he's. I think he could outperform his ADP, and you might be able to, to turn him for something better. So yeah, definitely worth a stash. Mitch, this is a Bolitnikov winner, bro. He, he, yo, he's talking about 2019. About 2019 here. You're living in the fucking past, dude. <laughs> Guys, can we just say no and move on? <laughs> like, he's not worth the stash. Well, I think he is, goddammit. All right, tight ends. <laughs> Pat Fryer Muth, second round pick out of Penn State. We discussed him pre-draft. A good athlete with solid collegiate production, especially adjusted for QB play. He's tight end 16 for us, and that's on John, who has him at tight end 12. So Mm -hmm. take it away, Mr. Alexander. Yeah, he flew under the radar a little bit because of Kyle Pitts being like the man, right? But this is a guy who's declared after his junior year, uh, so he's still a young guy. Now, I don't expect him to do much this year, but he's in a good situation. Uh, That's like a good scheme for tight ends, I think, and uh, he's got... he's. He's not Hawkinson, but he's got the the same tools as Hawkinson. He's a good blocker. He can stay on the field for all three downs. So you expect him to be on the field all the time. So not this year, but the year after, or maybe that uh, quintessential third-year breakout, we're looking at a guy who's going to be a top-12 tight end. So uh, I know we've had the conversation before that Mitch doesn't like to roster these guys, but I do. I like to grab them and sit on him and wait for him to break out. And that's exactly what I expect Friar Mitch to do. He's got all the tools and everything you look for in a tight end one. Yeah, I agreed, man. He's going to be a good pro, but uh, but not in year one. Yeah, it's going to take a while because, I mean, Eric Ebron's there. He's got the Jesus connection with Big Ben. Could score some touchdowns and kind of live in that infinite tight end sadness. Um, whatever, Eric Ebron, have fun. All right, Mike check. It is halftime. As a reminder, our halftime segment is where I ask a question and each of our panelists respond with an argument-based answer. And I, every single time, arbitrarily choose who had 
the best argument. All right, guys. So for the second week in a row, you know we got to shout out uh, the show league startup drafters. So the question is thusly. What was the biggest steal of the long game show league startup draft that we just wrapped up all 30 rounds of yesterday? John, go for it. Yeah, I'm going to short shout out uh, Corey here because he took my wide receiver five, which was Stefan Diggs. Um, he took him at 3.08. I had him as 20th on my board. Uh, so that's a full 12 picks after the point where I would have taken Diggs. Uh, I mean, he's not particularly young, but he's connected to Josh Allen for the foreseeable future. And that passing offense runs through Diggs. So to get an elite wide receiver on a top, top team with a high target share in the mid to late third round of a startup is a steal in my book. So I'd say well done, Corey. And, um, you know, that's that's the steal of the draft for me. All right. Trey, go for it. Oh, man. Hey, uh, double props to Corey here because uh, not only did he get digs in the third, but he was able to get Brandon Cooks at 12.5, the fifth pick in the 12th round, the 149th pick in the draft. He got the guy who DLF ADP currently has at 95 overall, so more than 50 spots later. I've got him rated even higher. I've got him as a mid-seventh rounder, so he is an absolute lock to outproduce that ADP. He's going to give you wide receiver two production. It's what he does every single year. I mean, that's insane value at in a, a stage of the draft, which is essentially just like free money. So yeah, congrats, Corey. Uh, this is why you wait on wide receivers. Yeah, I actually was going to take Cooks two rounds earlier, but I ended up trading uh, for OBJ in that spot. So uh, Corey went out and got him. All right, Mitch. You're third. Uh, well, I've been holding my hand over my head this entire time because I think Corey needs to just start a podcast and we should start following him because God damn I only it. wrote one answer here. I, only, I really did. And it's Austin Eckler for me. Uh, yeah. Corey picked yeah. him up, man. And uh, he's running back 17 for me, 14 for you, Tarek. He lasted till pick fucking 68, man. That's crazy because regardless of where I have him or where Tarek has him or where you have him, he is ranked number 40 overall in sleeper, meaning for 28 picks, he just sat there on the top of the queue and people just kept passing him, passing him, passing him. Dude, Eckler's 26 with like Justin Herbert. He had 65 targets in 10 games last year and 108 targets in 2019. Like, this is a PPR league, bro. Corey, uh, uh, <laughs> I don't know, man. Congrats, bro. Well, okay. So since we all pick Corey, let me just shout out my second one then. So I had, uh, who's who's T. Fred? What's his real name? Trent. Trent, yeah. Trent, Trent took uh, Defonte Adams at 3.03. And I, I was considering taking him at the first pick of the second round. So to get my wide receiver one uh, in the at the beginning of the third round, I thought that was a total steal as well. So shout out to Trent. Well, I got another shout out, but I want to hear our uh, winner first. Well, the winner is going to be Mitch. All right. Uh. So Mitch Mitch is a barreling, barreling ahead in the standings. I think that gives him seven, he, seven, he, five, he, three, seven, five, three. Yeah. So I actually, I loved that Austin Eckler pick all the way back at 68. That is insane value at like the end of the fifth round for Austin Eckler, who projects to easily, if he stays healthy, be a top 12 running back in yeah. PPR this year. Um, so just, yeah, I mean, 
Corey, good job, man. Clearly the strategy there by Corey was just sit there and just soak up value, which, you know, well, well done. My other shout out was for Tyler for uh, shoddy B with the 11th pick in the seventh round, the 83rd yeah. overall pick in the draft. Uh, I mean, luckily for him, some idiot passed on uh, Rashad Bateman for Robert Woods five picks earlier. So he's still <laughs> there, but uh, yeah, well done, man. I remember that pick because uh, I was between Tyler Boyd and Rashad Bateman. I was leaning towards Bateman and he took Bateman right before my pick and so i got uh i wasn't sad about it but i got tyler boyd instead but yeah that was a nice one i i was already in talks with mitch who picked right before trey on the next go around so that i could jump ahead of trey and take bateman if he fell like three more picks because i know <laughs> i know trey is all over shoddy b so i was like already talking to mitch like yo i want to move up here if bateman falls Alas, but he did not literally two seconds later tyler picked bateman so that was a great pick all right well done mitch you. you know, got a full two point lead on Trey, who I I favor. I want Trey to win every week. So the fact that you're beating him every week, that's a testament to you, it's buddy. Three on one, man. It's it's at least it's at least pointing out worth pointing out that Trey was not here last week, and I am actively trying to lose. So we kind of gave one for free to. I to tried to give Trey week. the points last week, man. Thanks, I, man. Like I was just listen, man. I'm just looking out. I'm the only one actively not looking out. I'm only looking out for Trey. <laughs> All right, let's kick off this second half. We'll talk about the Bengals and the Baltimore Ravens here. First, with the Bengals, so much to talk about on this team. All right, Joe Burrow, QB7 in consensus, solid rookie year in 10 games, number 11 in air yards per attempt. So he showed a willingness to throw it downfield. In the beginning of the year, just wasn't connecting with AJ Green on those throws. And then he started to connect on those throws to T Higgins right before he got hurt. And he really got hurt, tore pretty much everything in his knee. But the upside is certainly tantalizing, right, Mitch? Oh, yeah. And look, I, I'm probably the, the biggest injury concerns guy here, but this didn't happen to a wide receiver or anything like that. It's a quarterback, so I'm a little less nervous about that. But I want Burrow shares, and I want as many of those as I can possibly have. Um, I, I think I have him at quarterback seven. Yeah, I have him at quarterback seven. Um, he is right after that that six QB tier with, like, right after Lamar Jackson for me. And, I mean, look at the, look at the weapons. Look at that arm talent. I mean— Dude, the guy had 61 attempts in his second start as a rookie. Like, there's any question about what this guy's going to be doing on the field. It's yucking that ball, and he's got the wide receivers to get fantasy points. for it. This is an offense that I want, and uh, in a super flex or single quarterback, give me Joe Burrow all day. Yeah, Mitch, I think I agree with that. The volume is definitely going to be there for Burrow. So I, I love that volume and what that upside, you know, that he can do with that. So... The, the question to me is where does he stand against like Russell Wilson and Trevor Lawrence and especially Trevor Lawrence, right? Cause he's coming in as a rookie. So I, my position is I think he's probably going to outproduce uh, T law this year. So Same. that, Agreed. that means a year from now he's going to be valued higher. So I, I know it's super close, but I would give the edge to Burrow right now in a startup. I'm not sure. I necessarily agree with that because um, coming off the injury, I'm not sure that we can expect Burrow to start week one. Uh, but I do agree that Burrow, and I currently have Burrow ahead of T-Law in my rankings, but I do agree that that's going to be consensus a year from now. Yeah, I think Trey really hit the nail on the head. Like Burrow, Trevor Lawrence, Russell Wilson is a really hard grouping of three to rank. I think 
Usually in startups, what I've seen is that Burrow and Lawrence are going right before Russell Wilson. But I could see the argument for taking the guy who we know is an extremely good quarterback ahead of them if you want to be a contender right off the bat. All right, so at running back, Joe Mixon, running back 15 in consensus. And this is going to spark, I think, or what I hope is a productive debate for us because he's one of the more polarizing players in Dynasty, not just for us. Injury marred season last year and has dealt with injuries throughout his time in the league. John and I have him as a low end to borderline RB1, and Mitch has him as a borderline RB2, so a good 12 spots lower. Naturally, Trey, as the moderating opinion, I'm going to throw it to you first. Ooh, okay. Well, uh, so I've got him right in the middle there at running back 18. I've, I've got him right behind Austin Eckler, so give uh, uh, Corey one more, one last shout out there. Uh, so Mixon turns 25 in a few weeks here. So that tells me he's still got like a good three, probably four years left in the league. And, um, I mean, just looking at this offense, I, I think he projects for a top five workload in terms of touches and for running back 18, that is insane value. So that's just like high ceiling, low floor to me. Right. So, um, I mean, if you look at the last two years before 2020, he finished as running back 10, and running back 13 in PPR scoring. So I think we're probably all a little bit too low on him, but because because of that injury risk. So I see him right now as a great option for a contending roster, for sure. Well, I don't know if John is too low on him <laughs> at RB11. So John, I mean, you're, you're the highest of all of us. So what do you like about Mixon? It's what I like about the offense. We're getting to th year three of uh, Zach Taylor here, and I think things are going to really click this year. I think it was smart for them to hold Joe Mixon out at the end of last year. Supposedly he was healthy, but you know they just kept him on the injured reserve, and I think that was the right decision because Joe Burrow wasn't in anymore. I think that this offense is ready to go, and it was a half joke at the beginning of the episode where I said they only need to score 50 points every game. They've got a bottom 10 uh, offense. And so I think that they're not going to be in a lot of situations where they're running the ball, but I think that's okay because I like the receiving upside of Mixon and I think he's going to get those targets. Um, so I just think that the entire offense is going to take a huge step forward and Mixon is going to be part of all the boats that get raised. All right, Mitch RB 24. So, I mean, you're, you're, you're the bear case here. Sure. And so he does have one RB1 season under his belt and a running back 13 overall. So call it uh, RB two RB1 seasons under his belt last year injury. I I'm just not sold on Joe Mixon. We've been burned if we've had him on our team. Um, and we're, we're hoping for that for that year this year where everything comes together. And I'm just nervous about getting into the pool on this one. Um, like, I, I think that he's good. I still have him ranked as a running back two. Like, I, I think that he does have the potential to be a running back one. But I also think that he may just kind of be a running back two from this point on. Um, and I, I just, I don't trust the guy. I don't trust his um, ability to stay healthy. And maybe I bought into the anti-Joe Mixon hype on Twitter too much, but... He makes he makes me nervous. Yeah, Mitch, this gets into this whole like uh, how much do you discount for injury discussion that we've been having in the group chat all week? Because uh, I mean, the talent is clearly there with this guy and it, he's just a huge injury risk and really hasn't been able to put together a full season yet. So, I, I mean, I think it's it's probably safe to say that he if he plays a full season, like he will end up as a low end RB one. and He's going to get a ton of volume in that offense. But uh, 
he's just had a hard time staying healthy. So I get the fade there. Uh, there's certainly a wide range of outcomes uh, for this guy, for sure. Yeah, look, I, I respect the fade on on Joe Mixon for a number of reasons. I mean, he's been continually disappointing, and maybe he's one of those people where if he disappoints again, you know, he's one of those nuke players that is just not going to be able to recover value. But I will say two things in, in support of Joe Mixon. One, you know, I mentioned Graham Barfield and his yards created stat earlier, which is one of the most predictive stats that we do have for running backs. Coming out of college, Joe Mixon's yards created numbers are just untouched. They're they're a hundredth percentile of that tracking because he is just that talented at creating yards on his own. Secondly, without Giovanni Bernard in the lineup, he averages about 100 total yards and a touchdown per game, right? So that role could be taken by Chris Evans. It could be taken by somebody else. But what we've seen without Giovanni Bernard is that Mixon just balls out when he's by himself in that backfield. All right, speaking of the other guys, Samaje Ryan kind of seems like the Mixon handcuff, the direct Mixon handcuff. Chris Evans could have some upside, the rookie in that Geo role. And my opinion is they brought in Chris Evans. That means Travion Williams is done. What do y'all think? I don't know, man. Uh, I, I don't think you should be overpaying for Chris Evans. Uh, this guy is not really that much of an athlete, and he fell to the sixth round for a reason. So uh, Travion Williams, in a murky situation, like he is clearly the cheapest of these three. So uh, if they're all kind of bad and we don't really know who's going to shake up to the top, like why not just take the cheapest guy? Um, but I mean, again, this is not like a backup situation that I'd be targeting. It's one of those things where I mentioned, like if Jonathan Taylor went down similar to that, right? Like if, um, if Mixon goes down, I don't think that all of a sudden one guy just becomes the guy. I think that they're just going to kind of rotate the, the, uh, running back by committee from that point forward. Honestly, I, I, I do disagree. I think Samaje Pirine showed that he can carry the load in week 17 last year, week 16. Like, I think they started trusting Samaje Pirine down the stretch and then they gave him a contract, right? So I, I disagree a little bit. These are not guys that I'm aggressively targeting, but I do think Samaje Pirine would hold some value if Mixon went down again. Fair enough. All right. So at wide receiver, Jamar Chase is the wide receiver nine in our consensus, and he has to be the highest ranked receiver in dynasty kind of coming into their rookie year since that kind of thing was being tracked. I mean, maybe Calvin Johnson was higher, but John getting him for a single rookie first round pick is a steal. Like if you drafted him in your rookie draft, great value, but are we worried about if you're trading for him or you're drafting him in the first couple rounds of a startup that we're paying for him at a price that has a lot more downside than upside? It's it's a good question, but let's let's establish the baseline first because in Superflex, I think you take him as early as 1.03, and I I'm I'm fine with that. You take him in your in a uh, rookie draft, yeah. Yes, and and uh, in one QB, you can take him 1.01 in the first pick in the rookie draft, and I'm fine with that. Uh, so what we're talking about here, the question you asked is the overpay. Like, are you willing to cripple your future capital somewhat to go and get Jamar Chase? Um, we've said it before that there are some guys who are, nobody is 100% certain, but I think we landed somewhere around 80%, 85%, 90% for Jamar Chase. And I think that if you're going to plant your flag on someone, you can feel really good about planting your flag on Jamar Chase. They've invested the capital in him. 
and they're going to give him every opportunity to succeed. Now, am I going to be surprised if Tyler Boyd or T Higgins is has more targets than Jamar Chase this season? Absolutely not. But 10 years from now, am I going to be surprised if we're talking about Jamar Chase as being a wide receiver one? Absolutely not. That's what we're looking at here. And is it a gamble? Yes, but I think it's a fairly certain gamble. Now, I wouldn't pay anything that's going to cripple your team. I'm not going to give up three first for him. But if you're talking about maybe moving an older vet and a first for uh, for Jamar Chase, maybe DeAndre Hopkins and a first for Jamar Chase. Wow. I'm not going to wag my finger at that. I don't think that's necessarily fair value. But if you think that this is the guy who's going to be a wide receiver one potentially for the next 10 years, then yeah, that's value. So go get him. Why not? John, let me let me hear that right. You said D-hop and a first for Jamar Chase? If you, not if you're a contender now, now. <laughs> I mean, but if you're a rebuilder, you don't want to be sending your firsts away, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. So, John, I, I don't know about that. I don't know about that value there. But uh, I okay. mean, we, so we just Fair did enough. the startup, right? And uh, and I think Chase is like roughly right now in that wide receiver twelve, wide receiver thirteen range for a startup draft. And I, honestly, I think that's a fair price because you know I'm I'm going to project him to come in and kind of immediately be that one B to T Higgins one A. And he's going to, both of them are going to continue to get better with experience. So, um, I mean, if you look at it that way, then you kind of need to have like T Higgins above him, but none of us do anyway. But if Chase does come in there and he does take over like that target share leader, then wide receiver 13 is a huge discount for him in a startup. Let me just present the counter argument though, because I don't think there's any way you can get Jamar Chase for DeAndre Hopkins straight up. I don't think anybody's going to do that. Agreed. I think you got to do nuke plus to get jamar chase right now maybe the plus isn't a first but i think that's where i think that's where the market is right now i don't think a nuke plus a two gets it done though not for me anyway maybe i i I don't know i mean deandre hopkins is ranked higher in pretty much every ranking service that you can find than jamar chase right including our rankings deandre hopkins is higher in consensus right so that indicates to me that it should be able to get done in your average run-of-the-mill league. But I think I understand what you're saying. Like if the person who has Jamar Chase loves Jamar Chase, right? We're going to transition to T. Higgins here, and I'm going to throw it to Mitch. But I'll just say I think good context is I've been offering John in our main dynasty league T. Higgins and a first-round pick for Jamar Chase. And, and John turns it down every time, right? Yeah. So Yeah, well, I'll say this, though. Uh, Jamar Chase did go to uh, crappy at the uh, the 10 10- 10th pick in the third and D hop went the uh, two picks later to John at the 12th pick in the third. So, Hey, there you go. So there you go. I I don't know. That's kind of where like the rubber meets the road in those startup drafts. And it's really clarifying to how people really feel about these players. Right? So T Higgins wide receiver 17 in our consensus, really strong rookie year. So Adam Azer of CBS has done some research and it indicates that a rookie receiver reaching 900 yards is an extremely important benchmark for sustaining future success. So that's why he was a wide receiver one for some of us, uh, I think for most of us, before they drafted Chase. I had him at wide receiver 10 back in April. Now we have him at 15, 16, 17, and 18, respectively. Mitch, you're the one who has him at 15, and you're also the highest on Chase. So wheels up for the Bengals passing game, right? Room. I mean, T. Higgins and Chase can be supported on this offense no problem uh did you guys know that like aj green played 16 games last year like nice right had a lot of targets too are we talking about vacated targets right now no no i'm not t higgin ate aj green's lunch money that's all i'm not i'm not talking va- vacated 
targets. I'm just saying T. Higgins okay, was the okay. man. He stole his lunch. Yeah. Well, he ate it too. And then his money. He <laughs> did he's been eating everything. And so Chase, Chase and his boy. He's he's back with his boy, uh, Joe Burrow here. Yeah, I believe that offense can support them both. Easy. So what? I have him at fifteen. That's uh that's saying that I think that he can be a wide receiver too, a high end wide receiver too. Absolutely. I mean, I love the talent of T. Higgins. Yeah, agreed. I've risen on T. Higg too, uh, so I need to update the ranks. I think he's going to lead this team in targets this year. So we're going to be sitting here a year from now, and I think T. Higg and Chase are going to be like right there, neck and neck in terms of value. And it's a lot like uh, you know that Rams offense, right? It's like a lot like Robert Woods and Cooper Cup, but ten years younger. So, um, I mean, if Chase comes in and dominates targets, then totally different story. But uh, no, I mean, this guy is huge value right now. Yeah, and you know, there's another guy in that offense that soaks up a lot of targets, and that's Tyler Boyd, who we have at wide receiver 41, solid out of the slot, perpetually underrated, kind of in the vein of Jarvis Landry, who we talked about earlier. Trey, you have Boyd at wide receiver 37, which kind of indicates a solid bench piece for a contender, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's just what he is at this point. So, you know, PPR scoring, he's going to be in that Debo Samuel, that Jarvis Landry range. So, yeah, it's it's good contender depth and uh, bye week fill in at this point. I think he could. I think he stands to have more value this year. Before I, guess, I don't necessarily expect Jamar Chase to be the guy this year. So I think there's a chance that the more experienced guy uh, has a better season this year. But after that, I agree with you. Yeah, I mean, we probably would have said the same thing about Thielen and Jefferson last year, though, too. Good point. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, in a PPR league, I, I think Tyler Boyd is a is a fine flex. I think he's good for a contender. He's somebody I'm well, trying to get off. He's the slot guy, right? Yeah. 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 So, I mean, his volume shouldn't really be affected by the two guys on the outside. Now, the thing is, though, if one of these dudes gets hurt, like a chase goes down or T. Higg misses some time, I mean, Boyd is a very, like, he's kind of an under-the-radar piece to a contender, in my opinion. Yeah, that's a good point. He's solid. I, the Boyd is another guy that I was trying to get from Trey earlier in our main dynasty league because I think he's great for a contender. All right, at tight end, Drew Sample, Thaddeus Moss, CJ Uzama. Uh, I, I, suppose, I suppose Thaddeus Moss is interesting because of the Burrow connection, John. I mean, I know that you've also kicked the tires on Sample before, too. Yeah, I think... Uzama is the best athlete, and I think that Drew Sample has the best draft capital because he was a second-round pick, surprisingly. That was Zach Taylor's, one of his first picks there. Uh, but I don't I don't expect any of these tight ends to be doing anything but trying to block for Joe Burrow. So I'm not I'm not targeting any of them. Yeah, I, I don't care about this position group either. This this offense is bottom five in tight end target rate with you know twelve point seven percent. And uh this offense just goes through the uh the eleven personnel that was three wide receiver sets in the uh the wide receiver position. So and quick thoughts on uh our boy uh Thad. It's a dart throw, and I, maybe I'm buying the buying the uh, the narrative here, but he's got that Moss DNA, and he's got the Burrow connection. So hey, you're welcome. You're welcome to clog your bench, man. Go uh, for you it. know what? <laughs> he's gonna hang out there for a little bit till I decide otherwise soon. Look, if you're gonna clog your bench, you might as well clog it with the shower narrative. You know, we love <laughs> we love those clogged showers. Yeah, might as well clog it with a guy named Moss. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's move on to our final team of our divisional preview series, the Baltimore Ravens. At quarterback, we're in Baltimore, Lamar. We knew his 10% touchdown rate from his MVP season was going to regress. 
but going from QB1 in 2019 to QB10 in 2020 was a disappointment. However, he's still an MVP. John has him down at QB10, which, if healthy, to me seems to be his floor. And Mitch, you got him, I believe, at QB6. So talk directly to John, Mitch. Well, first, Tarek, I'd like to talk directly to you and say <laughs> thank you for the uh, the wire quote there. That was, uh, that was You're welcome. well played, sir. But John, what the fuck, dude? What the fuck? <laughs> you won halftime last week saying that Lamar Jackson was a great value at pick 11 and he's your quarterback 10. Well, yeah, I assumed that there were like a bunch there. There were like no, um, dude. CMC and like a bunch of other quarterbacks no, in front is, of him, he's right? He's quarterback six all day. He's the first tier quarterbacks, Ben. Like how how do you say he's quarterback 10 with all those guys in front of him? Oh, OK, so I'm going to let you finish. But I just want to say that the reason I have right, Kanye. I'm going to let you finish. Uh, I just want to say the reason I've got him down there is just a longevity thing. Uh, I think that the way that he plays, I don't think you can expect him to be an elite quarterback just as long as these other guys like uh, that aren't going to take the hits that he's taken. That's the only reason I've got him down there. That's fair. But I feel like they've really invested in those wide receivers and are trying to and they're being very vocal about getting that passing game going because I don't think they want to get him killed in it. If that offense opens up, we've already seen him be number one overall. And I think with that potential there, I can't rate him anywhere lower than that top tier. Yeah, Mitch, I, I clearly agree with that, too. I think it's um, I, I don't know the, the exact stats, but there's stats that out there. That <laughs> there show are that he's stats. Like, yeah, I mean, he, he is actually a pretty dang like efficient passer, you know, and like I know like he had like some accuracy issues at time, but like over the course of the season, like. He pushes it downfield. He gets it where the ball needs to be. So he, I, for me, he's clearly in that top six tier. And, uh, you know, maybe shoddy B is the juice that that passing game needs. I mean, just think about that, uh, that Tennessee offense a few years ago before AJ Brown showed up. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, I have him at QB five and he's a lot closer to QB two to me than he is to QB eight. So, um, that's, that's my perspective. John, I'm gonna let you finish, but Beyonce <laughs> had like the best music video of all time, bro. <laughs> all right. So at running back, J.K. Dobbins is RB9. And I've done a handful of startups over the last few weeks, like all of us have. And I've had to lower Dobbins in my rankings because I was taking guys like Antonio Gibson and Najee Harris over him. It's just the lack of passing work. I think there's going to be a lot of noise out of camp about him catching passes but I'm probably not going to buy it. Now, Trey, I was surprised because you're pretty quick usually to fade non-pass catchers uh, at in PPR at the running back position, but you have him at running back nine. Do you just love the profile or, or what's going on there? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you're, you're talking about like a PPR format. So in, in that case, then for sure, take a guy like Gibson or Najee Harris over Dobbins. But um, I mean, the, the just look at the year that he had last year. He was super efficient and maybe he's just that good I, I mean I loved him coming out of Ohio State he had six yards per carry last year on only 134 attempts he still was able to score nine touchdowns which is insane so I think that's just kind of uh, what you're going to get in this offense so he's going to get a ton of volume the upside for him is going to be huge uh, I mean right now I'm projecting him to be like top 12 in total touches which you know, it's higher than some other places like fantasy pros, but whatever. So I, I mean, what basically what I'm projecting right now is he can give you similar type production as a guy like Nick Chubb or Derrick Henry. And whereas those guys are going in the top 10 
in DLF ADP, you can get uh, J.K. Dobbins at running back 14. And he's three years younger than Chubb and five years younger than Henry. So I, I love the value there. And, you know, that's why I can't fade him out of that top 10. Yeah, I'm right there, Trey. Uh, same reason I've got Chubb up there. It's the same reason I've got Dobbins up there. He's like a top one, top two rushing attack in the NFL. Lead back, clearly the best back in that backfield. He's going to score touchdowns. He's going to be the man. I don't care about catching targets. He's going to run the ball and he's going to score touchdowns. Like I care about catching targets, but targets fuck them. Right? <laughs> but it's possible. It's totally possible. They do throw it to him a little bit more, in which case the upside is even higher. Well, it's not like Gus Edwards is uh, like offering much catching upside either. Right. So like if they're going to be throwing it to a running back, it sure as shit ain't going to be Justice Hill. So like, yeah, J.K. Dobbins, you hit the nail on the head, Trey. Love me some J.K. Dobbins. I, I mean, I personally have never seen a bus catch a football, so that would be really surprising <laughs> to me. Uh, but speaking of the bus, Gus Edwards, we got him at RB 49 in consensus, and I have him at RB 39 because I think he's going to get a decent amount of carries on, like Trey said, an extremely efficient offense, and he is now very clearly the beneficiary of any kind of J.K. Dobbins injury. There's no more washed Mark Ingram there. All of you are significantly lower than me, but John, you especially. So why are you not excited about Gus Edwards as a, a, a decent handcuff bench piece with standalone value? The the numbers are very clear to me here. 2018, 718 yards. 2019, uh, 711. 2020, 723. So he's, he's going to get, well, there's an extra game. So he's probably going to get more than 700 yards, but it's pretty consistent. But we wouldn't be having this conversation if he hadn't scored two, six touchdowns last year. The previous two years, he scored two and two. All right. So I think that the reason you, you've got some recency bias here, you're going to remember the six touchdowns. I think that Dobbins is going to get more touchdowns and Gus Edwards is going to get less. That's why I'm lower on him. It's really that simple. I have a different recency bias going on, and that's the contract he just signed, though. Uh, they re-signed him for two more years. And there's really nobody else on that roster behind him. So I think he has a very clear path. And if any, if J.K. Dobbins was to miss any time, that elevates Gus to easily like an uh, like a starting running back, uh, RB1, like on that offense. Yeah, and, and Dobbins doesn't even have to miss time for Gus Edwards to get uh, seven touchdowns with the opportunities he's going to get in this offense. I mean, he was... He still averaged five yards per carry over the last three years. So what are we rooting for here? Are, are you all looking for him to be LeGarrette Blunt? Because like I think that's like the best case scenario. I no, no, I think he's just got a little bit of standalone value, and I think he's a great handcuff. So I, I'm looking as a guy that you can get as like in that RB4 range. I think about a 17-game season with a team that likes to run the ball every single play. And like, I mean, with that volume comes like people getting dinged up here and there. And like if I'm running like in a startup, like a zero RB strategy, like Gus Edwards is a guy that I'm definitely looking at, like in those later rounds, trying to like fill in that running back position, uh, because I think that they can put up at least some uh, consistent points for me while my other positions are balling out. I just wanted to say I've got him as RB 49. That's not that far behind RB four, just for the record. Yeah, yeah. Anywhere in that 40 to 50 range is fair. I did elevate him to 39. I apologize. <laughs> That's what I was going to say is like, uh, you like Trey and Mitch, I was like getting ready to combat all three of you. And then you guys came to my defense. So, hey, I, I agree with what Trey and Mitch were we saying. We just hate John. We just hate him. Yeah, I, prob I probably need to move him up the ranks. I'm going to move him down out of spite. <laughs> 
All right. Uh, as Mitch referenced earlier, you can cut the living shit out of Justice Hill. All right. <laughs> Wide receiver room. This is a crowded room, guys. So we got we got some stuff to wade through here. Rashad Bateman, a.k.a. Shoddy B, shout out to Ray GQ, is wide receiver 30 in our consensus. We've all got him right there between wide receiver 24 and 32, which to me indicates that we're kind of just waiting to see if he can soak up some volume in this extremely low volume offense in terms of passing. Mitch, what do you think the prospects are of that actually happening? I think they're pretty good, man. Uh, like I like I referenced earlier, they're uh, they're buying into that passing offense. They're trying to get bigger dudes for Lamar to throw it to. I think this is going to negatively affect Mark Andrews because he's the only big dude out there catching balls. Uh, but I, I think that the targets are going to go to Shoddy B, man. And like, admittedly, it's a low volume offense, of course, but they put up big plays a lot. And so that's kind of how this offense works, right? Like a lot of running and then a big, big, big play. And so I think that Shoddy B is going to be in that market there. So, yeah, I, I think there's plenty for him to go, uh, but not a whole lot for the rest of these dudes. Yeah, and, and Mitch, I kind of see it where he's going to eat into uh, uh, Hollywood Brown's share in, instead of Mark Andrews because uh, Marquise Brown had uh, like 25% target share, and I, I think that's could very likely go over to uh, Rashad Bateman. And I mean, that's what he's going to need to come in and really hit. Like he's going to need that 25% target share. And he's going to need that offense to pass more, but uh, it's possible. I, I don't, I don't know if I would bet on it happening, but I'd say it's probably like 50, 50 chance, but he's getting some rave reviews out of camp right now. I, I loved him in our rookie draft series. And uh, I mean, I still think his upside is a guy like Stefan Diggs or Keenan Allen. I, love Rashad Bateman as a prospect you know I'm hedging a little bit because of the offense but I'm kind of it's like I said it's one of those things where as soon as I see it he's gonna raise into my you know top 18 receivers very quickly all right so we we mentioned him we don't have to talk about him too much but Hollywood Brown is wide receiver 48 and you know he kind of had an underrated final stretch of the season last year after he complained publicly about not getting the ball enough now he's got that added competition. He's still a good player. Uh, Trey, you've got him in that wide receiver five range. You mentioned you think Rashad Bateman's going to eat into that, but could you see a scenario in which Marquise Brown kind of breaks out of that wide receiver five? Yeah, and the only way it would happen would be if Shoddy B or Andrews, uh, you know, isn't a starter, you know, because Hollywood Brown, he's got great speed, but he's five foot nine, one eighty, right? So uh, I think the Ravens told us what they think about him when they drafted Rashad Bateman, and um, I think he's going to be better served as a complimentary guy in that offense. So that's kind of why I see him dropping below that twenty percent share, and those other two guys being the uh, the main targets in that system. Yeah, man, and I I love that you said I love that you said that, Tarek. Um, like he is still a good player, but. Uh, my opinion is like, it's easy to say, oh man, Hollywood sucks, but like you got big rosters in dynasty and he is going to be an important player to somebody's roster. If he's on the right roster, like a good example is like, you know, week through uh, six through 11 last week, he was, or last year he was completely useless. Uh, and then week 12 through 17, he was averaging 15 points a game and he's 170 pounds. He's been mostly healthy. He's only missed two games. So like, uh, he's he's a guy that you want as a uh, like a wide receiver like four or five bench player that you could plug in whenever he's getting hot. Yeah, and that's his price right now, right? Um, 
Look, uh, John, let me just ask you this really quick. Sammy Watkins, Tylen Wallace, Devin Duvernay, which of these three do you like? This is the easiest question you've ever asked me. Week one, give me Sammy Watkins. <laughs> all the other weeks, all of the other weeks, give me none of them. <laughs> Bro, the disrespect to my man, Tylenol Jones Wallace. Man, the Ravens already disrespected him, letting him uh, go to the fourth round. That's true. Well, excuse me, the Ravens and the rest of the NFL. <laughs> yeah, the rest of the NFL. Look, I, I I, still think Tylen Wallace is a good player, and I, I'm stashing him on my rosters where I can get him at cost. I think he does have the talent to emerge as a potential slot weapon, maybe take Devin Duvernay's projected role, and you could have something there. All right, uh, final player we're going to talk about, tight end, Mark Andrews, tight end six in our consensus him and Lamar Jackson, they have a connection, especially in the red zone. And I think you can expect, like not, you know, imagine, but expect significantly higher than average touchdown percentage on his targets, which will always kind of keep him in that top eight zone. But as we've said, John, we kind of have to be worried about any semblance of volume there, right? I'm not actually, because okay. the thing that makes Mark Andrews valuable is the touchdowns. So in 2019, when, every, when we saw the big breakout, he had t- 10 touchdowns and he took a step back last year and had seven touchdowns. But those seven touchdowns, he was still uh, the sixth. Uh, tight end six in terms of touchdowns, right? So there weren't, there's not that many guys that get that many touchdowns and that was taking a step back. So they're still going to use, they're still going to use him in the way that it works. They're still going to target him in the end zone. And that's what makes Mark Andrews a top six kind of guy. So that's where I have him. I have him as tight end six. And um, I don't know that his ceiling is much higher than that, but I do expect him to stay in that elite tier of tight ends just for that reason, because he's always going to be targeted in the in the end zone. He's still the wide receiver one in that offense, in my opinion. <laughs> so when you have all those other... Until Shoddy B takes it from him. Well, maybe, but maybe these other guys just take a little heat off of him, and that allows him to continue putting up those numbers, because really the focus was just on him and Hollywood, right? And then, oh my God, they're running at every play. But, I mean, if they have... If, if they... Like, they invested in these wide receivers. So I, we'll see, but it should open things up for Mark Andrews, I think. Yeah, maybe. I, I think I'm closer with John on this. I, I think he's definitely at his ceiling right now. So if you're a, if a rebuilding roster and you've got him, then I'd definitely go ahead and flip him for some value. And he's um, like 26. I know. Well, right. He's not even that old. Yeah, he'll be 26 in a couple of weeks or whatever. But uh, yeah, I, I think at this point, if you're rebuilding, it's, it's fair to flip him. And so he... He's going to be a good piece, a top tight end for a contending roster, for sure. Yeah, I mean, what is going to vault him into that top three is if he has a 15-touchdown season, right? Yeah. This is not a guy that is going to be a top five tight end on the back of 1,300 yards, right? So we, we need to know what Mark Andrews is and kind of ride that wave. Like, he's going to have higher touchdown percentage than the average tight end. And you need to know that, right? So like Trey said, good for a contender. Yeah, if I'm a rebuilder, I'm flipping him for Noah Fant. That's that's what I'm doing. Uh, or Hawk, if you can get him, man. <laughs> you know, I just go for Kyle Pitts personally. Like, you know, all righty, guys, that does it. We probably missed a player here or there. But, you know, over the last eight weeks, we talked about virtually every <sighs> dynasty relevant player in the league. We did it. We did it, boys. Good job, guys. From Dak Prescott to Mark Andrews. That's how it went. 
All right. Well, uh, next week we will be getting into some different kind of content. So we're looking forward to bringing that to y'all a week from now. Until then, thanks a lot, guys. Have a good one. Peace out. Peace. Later. Peace.